What's up, Tiaholics? Welcome back to the Tea on Crime. It's your host, Britt. And I'm the co-host, Jessica, wife and true crime skeptic. Just as a reminder before we get started, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast are simply our own and are only presented to educate. We've linked the case sources in the episode notes below. Hold on real quick, you guys. We're jumping into an ad. This week, I am telling you the story of Robert Hansen, also known as the Butcher Baker, and this is episode 18. Is this going to be like a Sweeney Todd type of thing? (laughs) It might be. Oh, good. Before we get started today, I want to remind everyone (laughs) to please take care while listening. Some listeners might find this case disturbing. In the 1924 short story, The Most Dangerous Game, author Richard Connell recounts the tale of a wealthy Russian aristocrat. Did you ever read that book? I have to stop right there and ask you that. The book or the short story? The short story. I have not, you know, not to my knowledge. Is it something I should read? Yeah, I think you should add it to your read list. In the story, it's about a man who gets bored with trapping animals and turns into a big game hunter to his island and hunts him for sport. So he basically hunts people. Oh, lures a big game hunter. I see. Yes. Okay. Yes. So I didn't know if it was something you'd ever read. You know, that's not something that sounds, <laughs> that's not, that doesn't sound very interesting to me. I think that's more for you true crime people. That, I might have to add that. That sounds boring to me. <laughs> to my read list. Ever since the story was published, the perverse idea of humans hunting humans has captivated people. The concept has appeared time and time again in the plots of novels, TV shows, and movies, but for the most part, it has been regulated to the pages of fiction. However, in the 1970s, Robert Hansen, known as the Butcher Baker, turned this premise into a horrifying decade-long reality. Though Hansen maintained a wholesome reputation in town, he let his hidden dark side run wild in the woods of Alaska. Don't most serial killers have really great reputations within the community? They're very involved. People think they're so kind. You know what? I think so, because if you look at, well, Ted Bundy, everyone was obsessed with Ted Bundy. I was talking more about Gacy. Yes, I was going to say Gacy next. He was very well respected in his community. I think that's the way to do it, though, if you're going to become a serial killer is to make people love you. I guess. Um, I don't know. (laughs) I'm not a serial killer. Not that I've ever thought about that. She's going to kill me. (laughs) Robert Hansen was born in Esterville, Iowa on February 15th, 1939, and was the eldest of two children to an American mother and a Danish father. His mother was Edna Margaret Hansen, and his father was Christian, also known as Chris Hansen. The family owned a local bakery in town where Robert was employed. In his youth, Robert was painfully shy, had a stutter, and severe acne that left him permanently scarred. Not receiving the attention he wanted from the attractive girls in school, Hansen grew up hating them and nursing fantasies of cruel revenge. Here we go. Psych 101. (laughs) This is how it starts, right? So were the people that he hunted, were they women? Yes, they were women. Of course they were. So I guess the question is, was he hunting them because the attractive girls in school were not speaking to him? Is that what started the whole thing? Yeah, I'm sure it caused him a lot of trauma, a lot of self-doubt, a lot of self-loathing. So if he's hunting women, I mean, who's at the advantage? He's the known hunter. Like He has all the knowledge. It's in his domain. Right. So he has the upper hand and all the control and power. <laughs> like normal. Congratulations, Robert. <laughs> You're an original, like, 
everybody else. Throughout his childhood and adolescence, Hansen was described as being quiet and a loner, and he had a quite difficult relationship with his domineering father. He started to practice both hunting and archery and often found happiness in these pastimes. In 1957, Hansen enlisted in the United States Army Reserve, and he served for one year before he was discharged. He later worked as an assistant drill instructor at a police academy in Iowa. There is where he would begin a relationship with a younger woman, and he would go on to later marry her in the summer of 1960. Hansen still felt mistreated by the community and sought retaliation. In 1960, at the age of 20, he convinced a young bakery employee to help him burn down a school bus garage. Random. (laughs) It's definitely a random thing to want to do. When the boy was later approached by police, he confessed and Hansen was arrested. His wife divorced him and left him alone and incarcerated. He was released in 20 months into his three-year sentence for arson. He was jailed a few more times afterward for petty theft. Still, he managed to remarry another local woman. Okay. After feeling like he was mistreated by society as a whole, he decided that he had enough of the United States. In 1967, he moved to Anchorage, Alaska, which was about as far away from his life in Iowa as he could get. He moved into a small community, had two children with his wife, and settled into a quiet routine. He was well-liked, and he opened a small bakery. While the townspeople mostly bought into the facade of the happy baker with a family who had a knack for hunting, some cracks showed through Hansen's squeaky clean exterior. Per usual, right? Mm -hmm. They always come up. In 1972, he was arrested twice, once for the abduction and attempted rape of a housewife, and once more for raping a prostitute. Your face. (laughs) Okay, so did his wife stay with him? She did. And he still had a good reputation? Yes. So unknown to authorities, his killing spree actually began in 1973, which was due to his ability to walk free after his early crimes. Of attempted rape and or rape? Yes. So because they let him go, he went on to commit all these horrible crimes because everyone thought he was great. He was the local baker family man. Because if you bake, you can't rape somebody. (laughs) Okay. Thanks, Alaska. (laughs) So glad we have high standards. The year of 1976, Hansen was arrested again and sentenced to five years for shoplifting a chainsaw. However, he appealed this sentence and he was released. Of all the things to shoplift a chainsaw, how does one how does one think that they're gonna get away with was it a giant trench coat? I'm He's just kind of walking out. He had like a duffel bag? I don't I don't understand. I don't know why he thought he'd get away with a chainsaw. That's kind of reaching. I'm just curious. Did he just like walk out with it in his hands thinking this is fine? Well, either way, he ended up getting out of it because, you know, you're the baker. That's right. (laughs) He continued to prey on strippers and sex workers who he forced to act out his twisted fantasies. In 1983, more than a decade after Hansen moved to Anchorage, a 17-year-old girl named Cindy Paulson was found running frantically down 6th Avenue, barefoot and handcuffed. After being picked up by a driver and returned to safety, Paulson, who was a prostitute, told her story to police. She described being held hostage by a man who had handcuffed her to his car, held her at gunpoint, and took her to his house where he chained her up by the neck. 17-year-old prostitute. Yes. Okay, so if any, did he rape her? Well, we're getting there. Good, (laughs) great. She said the man raped and tortured her repeatedly before attempting to load her onto an airplane and take her to his cabin, which was 35 miles north of Anchorage. Load her onto an airplane? Yeah, so he had an airplane, apparently. Oh, okay. (laughs) A little side note there. All right. 
Okay. As the man prepared the plane for takeoff, Paulson managed to escape, leaving her shoes behind as evidence. What kind of story is this? <laughs> it's a great one. <laughs> Robert Hansen fit the description of the kidnapper perfectly. Paulson even described his stutter and identified his plane. Police were still reluctant to bring him in. After all, even though he was no stranger to trouble with the law, the local baker was well-liked in his community. Note to self, can get out of, well, I'm Asian, so probably not. <laughs> you, I'm sure, could if, you know, you were a people person. Can get out of crimes in Alaska. Become a good baker. <laughs> Become a good baker. Check. <laughs> I mean, you're not. But Make a little checklist. You can't bake. No. Hansen admitted that he had met the girl, but claimed she was setting him up because he had refused to pay her for sexual demands. Well, she's 17, so wouldn't that be... I mean, you would think so. <laughs> When he told police about his strong alibi, which was provided by a friend, he was released. Big surprise. Throughout all of this, Alaska state troopers were convinced a serial killer was on the loose. Several sex workers and dancers had gone missing and troopers were starting to find bodies. When two bodies were discovered in the same area as Hansen's cabin, along with shell casings nearby, Hansen became the prime suspect, but the police needed proof and that was not proof enough for them to bring in the community's favorite baker. If we bring him in, you guys, who's going to bake us cupcakes? Who's going to make our treats? I'm confused. If you, why wouldn't, it's Alaska. It's not like there's not places that you could i'm sure take somebody and make them disappear right easily why would you do it on your own property well clearly because he believed that he was gonna get away with it because i mean he was getting away with it but it's also sad for the girl the 17 year old because she has described everything that he did and all of these horrible things and even described his airplane i mean how many people in alaska have an airplane i don't know maybe a lot i'm sure a lot of them (laughs) but he fit everything perfectly, and they're still saying that's not enough evidence, including the shell casings that were found at his cabin. I'm still stuck on being 17 years old and him admitting to having sex with her and not paying her. I'm pretty sure that's rape. Right. Because it's under, yeah, I'm, I don't understand. We're let down by this police department. Every police department and every story. (laughs) The FBI soon became involved and had the help of now retired FBI agent John Douglas, who helped pioneer the field of criminal profiling. Douglas put together a psychological profile of the killer based on the details of the case and the injuries inflicted on the recovered bodies. Was this the guy that created the department that went and like traveled to all the prisons um, interviewing Bundy and... Who's the one strangler that you don't like? The B B T BTK killer? Yes. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, so he's actually the guy, if you've ever seen the Netflix TV show Mindhunter, he's the one that the story is based off of. Yes. Yes. Okay. So that's who we're talking about. He was involved in this case. Yeah. So for everybody that doesn't know, this guy is really awesome. So the FBI originally did not have a criminal profiling or any profiling department at all. And it was so early on in psychology days. And this guy actually built it from the ground up and he started started going to all the prisons and interviewing all the serial killers that were around. So all your favorites, pretty much, you true crime people. And he started building profiles off of who could be a potential serial killer, what were the characteristics of a serial killer, what were the psychological characteristics, um, you know, their background, all this type of stuff. And then that's how we started to be able, moving forward, to identify some red flags. So like animal killing. Right. Um, divorced parents, but yeah, he's, he's the one that 
started all of it. Yeah, which is really cool. Shout out to him because that would be a really cool job. And to be the person that came up with that. He decided that the killer was an experienced hunter with low self-esteem and a history of being rejected by women and that he likely had a stutter. Sounds like our man, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. The police soon got a search warrant to search Hansen's plane, car, home, and cabin. What they found shocked them. They were able to see the horror that Robert Hansen's victims had gone through. In Anchorage, Hansen was a well-respected business owner and was known for his skill as a bow hunter. The den in his home was decorated with hunting trophies and animals mounted on the walls. No surprise, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But what no one expected is that the hunter had also been collecting trophies from another kind of kill. Hansen mainly targeted sex workers and exotic dancers from around Anchorage. He would kidnap the women and either drive them or fly them in his plane to his cabin in the remote area of Alaska. If the women didn't put up a fight, he would rape them and bring them back to town threatening them into secrecy, but those who did not cooperate suffered a nightmare. Out in the wilderness, his favorite location was along Nick River. Robert Hansen would set the women free. For a moment, the women would have hope that there was actually a chance to escape. Then, as they ran for their lives, he would track them down, take his time, and hunt them like wild animals. Armed with a hunting knife and a rifle, he would torture the women with this chase for hours and sometimes days at a time until he located his prey and shot them like game. How sad. The story of Hansen's 12-year killing spree later became the subject of the 2013 movie Frozen Ground, starring John Cusack as Robert Hansen and Nicolas Cage as the Alaskan state trooper investigating the murders. Have you ever seen that movie? No, I didn't I didn't even know who this person was. I didn't either, but that might be something we have to add to our watch list. Isn't that horrible that he would just let the women run and they would probably think they were getting away and Yes, so why shouldn't we watch that movie? It sounds like a great movie. I, it might be a good movie. I that sounds fantastic. We'll see how it goes. We'll have to update next week. I feel weekend. like this is one of those things when somebody's like, this food is disgusting. Try it. I don't... This doesn't make any sense to me. While searching the Butcher Baker's home, police found an aviation map of the area hidden in the headboard of his bed. It was marked with tiny X's denoting the kill and burial sites of his victims. Some of the X's marks matched up with where police had found the bodies. There were 24 X's in all. Can you say Butcher Baker's home (laughs) five times fast and marks matched? It's very difficult, you know. Butcher Baker's home. Say it. Just say it real quick. Butcher Baker's home. Okay. Mark smashed. (laughs) Mark smashed. Butcher Baker's home. Butcher Baker's home. That one's difficult. There were 24 X's in all. There were 24 X's in all on the map. In the basement of Hansen's home, police found a stash of jewelry. In the stash was one of the victim's necklaces. Police were able to gather and present all the evidence to Hansen in 1984. Hansen confessed to murdering 17 women and raping 30 women over a 12-year period. Oh my gosh. That's a lot of women. And this, these X's were just right on his headboard? They were found on a map located okay. inside the headboard. As part of a plea bargain, the butcher baker was only ever charged with four <laughs> of the 17 murders he confessed to, and some believe he actually killed more than 20 women. I mean, there were 24 exes in all, so I feel like you definitely killed, you would think, 24 women, or I don't know what those exes stood for. But the fact that he was only ever charged with four of the 17 murders that he confessed to, that's horrible. It's an injustice to the families of these and, and the women that he murdered. Yeah. That's crazy, though. Only four out of over 30 possible. Yes. And that's what he confessed to, and we're still only getting him on four. <laughs> 
I wonder why they did a plea bargain. So in exchange for a reduced conviction, Robert Hansen agreed to help police in locating the remaining bodies plotted on his kill map. That's why they did that. Because he thought he would get a lesser sentence if he would help the police find these women. So, but they did find all the bodies then? They did not. Oh. Robert Hansen was sentenced to 461 years plus life in prison without parole in 1984. He was imprisoned at the Spring Creek Correctional Center in Seward, Alaska, where he died in 2014. Five of the bodies have still not been found to this day, and Hansen took the secret of their locations to his grave. So we found all of them but five. Yes. Sad. Isn't that horrible? So in total, did they find 19 then? Yes. Because there were 24 exes, but he possibly could have killed more. He definitely could have killed more. And who's to say he wasn't killing people in Iowa? That is true. He He was raping women. Yeah, he was. So he went on to rape a lot of women in his life, it looks like. Well, good to know that, you know, in life you can aspire to be a great baker in a very remote town and get away with literal murder, basically, (laughs) for 20-something years. You just need to be a baker. That's it. (laughs) That is the story of Robert Hansen, also known as the Butcher Baker. What did you think? I'm just, I don't really know if I have words for this of, he's such a great guy because he's such a wonderful baker. He couldn't have raped all these women. Right. Especially when you have someone coming forward and saying this is what he had done. And you found bodies on his property, but we still let him walk free. You know what, doing this podcast, I used to have quite a bit of faith in humanity, and this podcast is just killing my faith in humanity, like one episode at a time. (laughs) I have zero faith in humanity now. It's all vanishing. (laughs) So women, beware, because I'm sure, I I mean, nobody, you really wouldn't think to look in your headboard, because it's it's just there. No, it's just there. You guys better check your headboards and see if there are any maps, especially if your husband's a baker. Check your headboards for sure. Uh, Speaking of which, I'll be right back. (laughs) Oh, you're going to go check our (laughs) headboard. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Definitely no map in there. Well, you don't bake, so it's fine. Are you ready for some tea? Yes. <laughs> you look so nervous. I'm very apprehensive. I, you know, each episode, I just, I don't know what to expect anymore. <laughs> One day, Justin Stansfield, a British heroin addict and thief. Oh, okay. <laughs> just starting right off there. Broke into a garage to steal valuable items so he could sell them and buy his next fix. Like copper or What is that metal that they go after? I think it's copper. It's copper, right? Yeah. While in the garage, he found a freezer full of cold beers and popsicles. He decided to have some fun instead. He took out his fake teeth to enjoy a couple of the popsicles after he had downed a few beers. But before he left, he forgot to put his teeth back in. (laughs) This dumb act cost him 16 months behind bars. I just, I don't think I was prepared for the fake teeth part. (laughs) And the random popsicles. He's like, no, I don't want to rob you anymore. I just want to eat your popsicles. Maybe his gums were sore. Maybe. Okay. Well, (laughs) I hope, you know, popsicles. And what are you in for? Popsicles and beer. Popsicles and beer. 16 (laughs) months. I I forgot about the copper. (laughs) I didn't need it anymore. (laughs) Stupid. Well, uh, in relation to stupid things. Are you ready for my joke? I am. I don't know if this one's that funny this time, but eh, we'll see. So a duck walks into a bar and asks for a shot of tequila. 
because you know that's the best kind uh the bartender asks should i put it on your tab the duck goes no put it on my bill (laughs) that one's pretty great Mm -hmm. i feel like my tea time gets dumber and dumber every week but your jokes are getting better no i feel like they're getting dumber too do you Mm -hmm. maybe speaking of tequila uh story time Brittany is not a fan of tequila Nope, she I tries really, really hard. In fact, Brittany is incapable of taking a full shot most of the time. Even if it's like a <laughs> tiny, tiny pour for whatever reason, she can't do it. And so she maximizes her torture of taking a shot because she'll do like a tiny sip on the first one and then like a tiny sip on the second one. And it's just disastrous. But it's really great to and very entertaining for me <laughs> to watch because I don't know why you just wouldn't take the whole thing. But Brittany does not like tequila unless she starts drinking, what is it that you like it? Vodka, which is disgusting. And then after that, she's all for tequila. Like she loves it and it's her favorite drink and she drinks it like it's water. And then it's the greatest thing ever. And then she throws up in the sink. (laughs) And I tell you to put it on my bill. Before we end this episode, we wanted to announce that our podcast, The Tea on Crime, has now joined Patreon. For those of you that aren't familiar with what that is, it is a monthly subscription page platform that will be ad-free with bonus episodes that are exclusive only to our Patreon listeners. So head on over to our page at patreon.com slash tea on crime to hear more tea being spilled. We're really excited to provide you with bonus content. And then as always, everybody, we really appreciate your support. That's it for today's episode. For all of our teaaholics that enjoyed our show today, please remember to go and rate the show on whatever platform you are listening to. Give us a follow on Facebook at Tea on Crime Podcast, Instagram at Tea on Crime Podcast, Twitter at Tea on Crime Pod, and TikTok at Tea on Crime Podcast. I'm your host, Britt. And I'm your co-host, Jessica. And we will be back next week to serve you more tea on all things true crime. Bye!